Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 13. This is a special edition where we look at some of the news that came out of Microsoft Ignite 2020. Uh, this week, going to time zones, um, it is only Mark and I. Uh, it's very early in the morning for uh, for Sarah, and uh, Gladys is squirreled away in a secure facility somewhere. So we also have a special guest this week. We have Cyril Voison, who is the Chief Security Advisor for Europe and Middle East and Africa in Microsoft, based out of Paris. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the security-related announcements from Microsoft Ignite 2020. So before we get stuck into that, hey, Sarah, why don't you just give us a quick overview of what you do at Microsoft, how long you've been here, and uh, let, a, let our listeners know what you do. Hi, everyone. Yeah, uh, I've been at Microsoft for quite a long time, 20 years uh, uh, and more. Uh, I'm trying to count right now, uh, 23 years, in fact. Um, and, and my job is to basically engage with the, the, the security leaders of large organizations to advise them on modern security. Uh, before we get started, I think it might be helpful to just have a quick overview of uh, what Ignite is. So uh, Microsoft Ignite is our uh, big public conference. Um, it's actually virtual this year uh, for the first time, as is most events <laughs> nowadays. And it's really where a lot of our big product announcements, not all of them, there's a steady cadence of features kind of flowing out over the course of the year. Um, but this is the, the big one where we generally uh, do the significant major announcements and really focusing on sort of you know IT security and, and similar audiences as opposed to, to partners or executive management or, or what have you. So uh, Cyril, do you want to kind of give your take on Ignite? Yeah, uh, definitely. As you said, 2020 uh, edition is very special, uh, but the year 2020 also is somehow special. Uh, you know, we, we all had to adapt to a new context and uh, the pandemic somehow created a, a context where uh, we have uh, economic pressure to reduce cost all over uh, the uh, operations of, of companies. And uh, this notion of cost reduction is, is affecting uh, IT. Um, although I've seen with my customers that many of the security projects remain uh, active because it's understood that you cannot really de-invest in, in security. But uh, security also had to adapt to uh, remote thing. Uh, with people uh, starting to work remotely as a, as a new normal, um, there are definitely benefits of uh, integrated uh, architecture based on zero trust, which is going to help reduce both complexity and cost at the same time. So one thing I've noticed over the years uh, with all Microsoft events, including Ignite, is there are some common themes. I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, one of the big ones there is obviously cost reduction. Uh, and the other one is the ability to support securely remote work. Uh, were there any other sort of major key themes that came through? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, th I think everything Microsoft does is uh, based on cloud and there are benefits uh, based on that because everything is available as a service and it also reduces the, the need for upfront investment rather than using something and pay for what you use. Uh, so this notion of cloud-based solutions was, was definitely everywhere. And it comes hand in hand with machine learning, um, which is a, an essential aspect of doing modern security because most of the time we are um, trying to find the needle in the haystack and we need to, to reduce the fatigue um, due to alerts. And so machine learning can be used to group 
different alerts into single incident. Uh, and definitely we want to study what a, a user or what a, a server, for instance, uh, uh, normality looks like. So knowing that there is a deviation of behavior is something that is going to be interesting. But on top of that, I think we definitely made big progress around multi-cloud. Uh, by that, I mean uh, not only public cloud and on-prem, which can be mixed into what we call hybrid IT, but also the support of different cloud service providers, such as Azure, uh, Google Cloud Platform, and Amazon Web Services. Um, and definitely we're going to talk about that, but there, there were some ma major advancement there. Uh, the other thing I see is that many people still think Microsoft is providing solutions just for the Microsoft environment, when in fact uh, we have made uh, um, huge progress on cross-platform support, which means we, we have solutions for Windows, of course, but Mac, Linux, uh, Android, and iOS too. Just to jump in for a moment, like I see those themes in so many of my customer conversations. Everyone thinks, oh, Microsoft, they only secure Microsoft. And yeah, that's kind of how we started. But they're always surprised by like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you do Linux, you do all these different things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that's, it's really kind of something that people are still trying to wake up to, and is what I've seen. Yeah, and, and uh, th there was a survey that showed that the, the, the business leaders said they, they were engaged on the zero trust journey, uh, which I think was higher than what I expected. When, I, when I'm having conversation here um, in, in Europe, Middle East and Africa, uh, sometimes I, I see zero trust being a, a conversation, but not really a, a true projects for some organization. So that, that was an, an interesting progress there. Um, but this uh, zero trust and identity in general, I would say, is a cornerstone of modern security. And we see definitely Microsoft continuing investing in this direction and also in uh, this uh, long journey of uh, getting rid of passwords uh, with a passwordless. Actually, if I may, I just want to add something in there about zero trust. Uh, I've actually been working with a, a large bank who's moving some of their banking platform online uh, onto Azure. And one of their design principles, which has made them rethink the architecture internally, has been zero trust. So, yeah, we're actually seeing it. People are not just talking the talk now. They're actually, they're actually walking the walk. Um, I have a, a banking customer also who already published 300 line of business applications that were supposed to be on-prem. You know, the typical old school approach would be to VPN in and access these applications. They published them with a, a, a zero trust approach with uh, Azure AD conditional access. And when the pandemic's lockdown happened, um, the, the, the CISO, the chief information security officer was telling me he was so happy he made that move. And he realized that he needed, in fact, to increase the number of applications supported to probably 1,000. Nice. Yeah, and, and the zero trust thing um, is something that, in addition to sort of not just making it sort of how all those things are kind of part, part of the products, but we're also investing a lot into deployment guides as well, which uh, the first round of those just released. Yeah, it's really exciting to see some of these lessons learned coming from our own IT and kind of, hey, do this and you know in this order, and here's the instructions on how to do it, and really kind of seeing that. So. To wrap up on the, on the key themes uh, I've, I've seen during the Ignite, uh, I think uh, one of the major announcements was a simplification around threat management. I think we're going to talk about it in a second. Um, the enforcement of compliance with a very large definition of compliance related to laws, regulation, and internal policies. And finally, uh, the notion of posture. Uh, knowing where you stand uh, is very important. And the fact that there are tools that are going to continuously assess your position 
and give you a secure score on security or a compliance score on, on compliance are uh, something um, that, that is really meaningful in terms of uh, supporting customers. Okay, that's a great overview. So um, why don't we just get stuck into the main announcements? Uh, one of the major ones, as you mentioned there, was around sort of threat assessments. Uh, so what, what announcements were made there? Yeah, I think uh, the, the key announcement was a simpler message on modernizing the Security Operations Center or SOC visibility. Um, and if, if you if you look at what Gartner published uh, five years ago, they, they published this um, uh, SOC uh, triad, visibility triad, uh, which was based on, you know, on the nuclear triad where you need to have submarines, you need to have um, aircraft and you need to have missiles. But here we were talking security uh, operations center. And, and at the time they were saying you, what you need is a, an endpoint detection and response solution, a network detection and response solution and a SIM, a, a security information and event management solution. So the announcement of Microsoft is very consistent with this approach. We, we've announced that in order to modernize the SOC visibility, people should pivot around two things. One is the SIM, uh, which is, for instance, Azure Sentinel coming from Microsoft, cloud native uh, SIM. And the other one is the XDR. XDR is the extended detection and response uh, solution. So if we look at the positioning, XDR typically would be a solution which knows very well the workloads and it's going to give you uh, insights which are very relevant based on, for instance, Office 365, based on identity, based on SaaS applications. And the SIM at the same time is going to look at the broader picture, trying to take the signals coming from the XDR and extending that to other systems uh, and other sources of security information. Yeah, and one of the things that that uh, I want to kind of uh, jump on was you mentioned the, the Microsoft Defender name, and there is a huge rebranding associated with this um, in terms of a lot of the familiar te uh, technology names that people are familiar with um, are changing. Um, I, t I, th I think it's for the better. I'll let uh, Cyril uh, kind of cover all those, but I'm actually really excited because even though it always is painful <laughs> for us to change names at Microsoft and everybody has to learn it, um, this new system is actually much more clearer and really helps people kind of understand what each is for. Don't get me into Azure ATP and how confusing that name was. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, the worst name ever. Uh, very confusing, not self-descriptive. Uh, here, I, I agree with you. Uh, no one really likes uh, name changes. You know, people get confused about our licensing, the name of our products, and um, by the time they get used to it, we, we we decide to change the names. But here, for the first time, probably in 20 years of career, I, I can say that. In a few uh, months or in a few years, we will look at that and it, it will just make sense and uh, we will not regret the, the change. So on one hand, we, we, we have the, the, the broadest XDR coverage of the industry, which we called Microsoft Defender. And it's basically regrouping. It's not a new product per se. It's regrouping some products, uh, best of breed products that we already had. Um, and it's covering identities endpoint, cloud application, emails, documents, infrastructure, and cloud platforms. So if I try to summarize the, 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 the name changes, um, you need to think uh, of Microsoft Defender as a new brand, which is an umbrella for two bigger sub-brands. One is called Microsoft 365 Defender, and it's related to everything which is um, user-related security. 
And the other one is called Azure Defender, which is related to infrastructure security. So Microsoft 365 Defender, the old name uh, was Microsoft Threat Protection, if you, if you were into what we were doing. So this is the, the, the unique console where uh, you, you can see and uh, action all the, the different sources from Microsoft uh, Protection Stack. Um, and the other names uh, you, you will see are very easy to understand. Microsoft Defender for Endpoint is the new name of the endpoint detection and response of uh, Microsoft. It will formally name Microsoft Defender Advanced Threat Protection. Um, and it has some improvements. I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, Microsoft Defender for Office 365 is the new name of Office 365 ATP, Advanced Threat Protection. Microsoft Defender for Identity is now self-descriptive. It's not called Azure ATP anymore, um, and it's far easier to understand that it's here to protect identities. And the goal for all these brands are basically to assist the defenders into making their job uh, successful because we're all faced with a, a flood of signals. Um, I mean, the, 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 the amount of logs, the amount of events that happen are, are, are just uh, very impressive. And if we want to catch up, we need to make sure that the security analysts are going to be productive. So I want to touch a bit on what's new in Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. Uh, two major announcements from my perspective. First of all, we are supporting now all the major operating systems. Um, that means we have now Android, um, which is generally available. Uh, we also have iOS, which is in preview. And the second uh, part uh, is the, the fact that we have improved the macOS uh, Defender for Endpoint with the threat and vulnerability management feature. So if you're not familiar with TVM, that's really a, a feature which is designed to um, help you prioritize. So you, you, you know that you need to do patch management in order to, to be secure, but no one can really do 100% patch management all over the place on time. So TVM will tell you from the endpoint perspective which um, updates are missing. It's going to correlate this information with uh, the users that are using that machine. So let's say you have a VIP or you have an admin using that machine. Therefore, that machine becomes more important. And it's going to look also at um, data classification. And if you have um, Microsoft information protection protected uh, files on that machine, then the machine is going to be pushed up. And we then associate the threat intelligence coming from Microsoft to try to know uh, if that vulnerability is being actively exploited. And if it is, then we will bump it to the top so that you know which machines, which updates are really, uh, should really be your priority. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I love about what the teams are doing um, here is kind of pulling all those things together because I'm so used to working with customers where vulnerability, vulnerability management's in the silo. The security operations team is in a silo. The the sort of architects and engineers, you know, working on preventive controls are in a silo. But you know, we really have this software-defined data center. This you know, kind of all these signals in together, and we can instrument and integrate them together. And I just I love that connection of things to kind of make what um, I don't know if you remember the continuous monitoring thing um, that was like a dream of the of the U.S. government a long time ago is really becoming a reality. And I just love seeing the connections between these things. Yeah, definitely. Every product name that I just mentioned basically can be uh, acquired in isolation, but the value really is the fact that uh, it's a platform. So 
the the result is like bigger than the sum of the parts. And one way to illustrate that was a number that I saw uh, in one of the presentation where they were showing that starting from basic detections, you would have, let's say, let's pretend you have 1000 alerts. By going through the, the, the machine learning algorithm that are going to regroup the things which are related to the same machine, same user, same context, we're going to figure out that it's probably, in fact, only 40 different incidents. And then you have the option to call Microsoft threat experts who are human analysts from Microsoft who can look in an anonymous way uh, on your security data and maybe filter down these 40 to only 10, which are the most important. And so this kind of reduction uh, dramatically improves the ability of uh, analysts to really spend time on what is meaningful um, and um, Coming from 1,000 to 40 or 10, um, I think is really, really impressive. So yeah, that that um, that kind of brings us to Azure Defender, which is you know I think one of the the cooler aspects of this. Um, so <laughs> lots of cool stuff. Um, Azure. Uh, so think of this as like starting with the Azure Security Center standard. You know, kind of all the threat detection and all those other kind of you know sophisticated features for you know VMs, Kubernetes, etc. But they, they also pulled in under this all of the other things that were sort of developed by the individual feature teams like um, Azure SQL ATP, um, Azure Storage ATP, and similar. And so all of those have been kind of collected together, pulled together. They were already in Azure Security Center standard, but really formalizing that around that Azure Defender name. And so, you know, so lots and lots of goodness there. And then there's a big one that got added that uh, I'm really excited about, and this really kind of changes things. Um, we acquired a company I mentioned on the podcast before um, called CyberX, and so we now have the ability to protect OT or operational technology. So things like SCADA, supervisory control and data acquisition, industrial control systems, ICS, um, PCN, process control networks, lots of names for that. You know, here's a computer that controls a physical machine in various different ways and layers. Um, but that kind of security is actually now built into Azure Defender, um, which I think is pretty awesome. Big thing to keep in mind here is it's not just, hey, we're going to attach it to the cloud and it's just like everything else. This technology tends to be in isolated environments a lot. So the very first way you're going to be able to get this uh, security capability is very similar to CyberX, how it used to be, which is you put a physical appliance that's doing passive listening on your network, um, your operational technology, your OT network, um, and then get the threat detection um, and vulnerability management, risk management, all those kind of insights on that data, great machine learning, et cetera. Um, and so that's uh, actually out there, so it doesn't have to be on the cloud. Uh, it does cover the uh, the existing IoT capabilities that were already in ASC for IoT, supplemented by this uh, this new OT stuff. So, um, uh, Mike, did you want to talk a little bit about the, the Azure Defender for SQL stuff? Yeah, this is uh, well and truly in my my wheelhouse. You know, with my focus being on application security. Uh, yes, Azure Defender for SQL is now available. It was Advanced Threat Protection for SQL, which, like everything else, was a yeah, a little confusing in its name, so I'm glad that there's been a sort of formality to its name now. Um, Azure Defender for SQL really does two major things. One, uh, it can do a threat assessment uh, on your SQL databases. Uh, that includes SQL, Azure SQL database, um, as well as managed instance and Azure Synapse. But it will also do things like detecting uh, potential uh, exploits. So for example, if someone's trying to do a SQL injection attack against one of your systems, 
um, it can detect that kind of stuff too. Yeah, great to see that Azure Defender for SQL is getting getting some love. Um, next up, Cyril, is I believe Azure Defender for Kubernetes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we have now uh, offering um, extension of, of, of features for uh, Azure Defender for Kubernetes uh, with the, the possi possibility to uh, include Kubernetes level policy management, hardening and enforcement uh, with admission and control to make sure that uh, the Kubernetes workloads are secure by default. Uh, we also have uh, Azure Defender for container registries um, to uh, support continuous scannings of uh, Docker images uh, so that we uh, can minimize the exploitability of running containers. And Part of the things that, that, that I wanted to emphasize, uh, we, we skipped one of the workloads, which, which is like the, the, the main workload uh, called Azure Defender for Servers. Uh, so when you want to protect a VM, for instance, or a server, it, it's important that you can project uh, the ability to do threat protection. And, and the way it works, basically, if it's a, if, if it's a Linux machine, we will install um, some uh, specific components to, to monitor it. But if it's a Windows machine today, we, we're just basically installing Microsoft Defender for endpoint servers. Uh, which is the formerly known Microsoft Defender ATP or the endpoint detection and response from, from Microsoft. Um, and today we have uh, a huge adoption uh, of uh, Azure VMs uh, for Azure Defender. It's, a, it's around 95%, so, so it's quite good. But the, the thing that most of the uh, people have not realized yet is that you can protect with Azure Defender uh, machines and which are not located in Azure. Uh, the beauty with Azure is that you can protect the past, the platform as a service very easily. Uh, your key vaults, uh, your storage accounts, where you store your data and all that, the SQL servers and the VMs. But for any VM or any Kubernetes cluster, um, which, which is out of the, the Azure environment, you can also support that. And uh, one way of doing that is we leverage a technology called Azure Arc. Um, and it's going to provide you consistency of uh, seeing the, the, the policy that you're going to apply, seeing uh, the inventory of the machines, uh, and being able to deploy uh, an agent uh, like the Azure Defender uh, agent to, to that machine. So the idea is really to have one control plane um, and management fabric, uh, which is in Azure, to manage your entire estate uh, of servers, VMs, and uh, SQL servers anyway. And finally, I wanted to add uh, that the name Azure Security Center is not disappearing. Uh, it's going to be used only now for uh, the free version of Azure Security Center, which is the Cloud Security Posture Management, CSPM, uh, of Microsoft. And I think it's a key feature, and everyone should really enable uh, Azure Security Center free. I completely agree with that. And just to add, you know, the Azure Security Center portal is still how you get access to that um, Azure Defender data. So just like, you know, those Azure Security Center standard features showed up in the in that portal, it's now called the Azure Defender section. Um, so Azure Security Center does not go away. It's just that all of those, you know, threat detection and, and, and related elements are now Azure Defender. Um, so Azure Security Center is still here to stay, still an awesome capability, and please, please turn it on. So next up is um, is compliance. So Cyril, what sort of uh, announcements were made at Ignite around compliance? So I think the, the, the one I wanted to discuss today are around uh, data loss prevention, DLP, uh, with uh, two announcements which I think are really meaningful. Uh, 
the first one is around the endpoint DLP. Uh, we're now providing consistency. You know, if you if you have a policy against data leakage, um, you, you could do that in SharePoint Online, in OneDrive for Business, in Teams. Uh, now we are extending that to uh, the endpoints. That means you, you're going to be able to enforce your policy on Windows 10 machines, and you're going to be able to enforce your policy on the new Edge browser wherever you deploy it. Okay, so th that's kind of neat. Um, uh, typical scenarios would be, for instance, you're trying to put some very sensitive data on a USB key. I don't know if you're still using USB key. I always refuse using USB keys, but it might happen. Uh, then you would be having a, a very nice Windows 10 pop-up uh, telling you you're not allowed to do that as an example. Um, another example in the browser is uh, I'm, I'm taking a document. I, I want to put it into a cloud storage, which is not approved by my company. Uh, it would detect that this document is sensitive and should not end up uh, on this website. Second feature I wanted to talk about is the integration of Microsoft Cloud App Security, which is our, our cloud uh, application security broker, with Microsoft Information Protection, which is our stack for labeling uh, documents and data and encrypting documents so that they can only be used by the intended recipients of documents. Here, the idea is that the the, the MCAS, Microsoft Cloud App Security, will be inspecting the traffic to some uh, typical application like uh, Google, Box, Dropbox, uh, and would then figure out that some documents should not uh, be shared to this place or should not leave that website without being labeled or encrypted. Next is Microsoft Information Governance. Uh, I, I want just to mention one uh, example, part of the information governance is a, a feature called communication compliance. Uh, you can use it to, to check, for instance, that your employees are not bullying each other, uh, or if you have a, a restriction inside your company that the team A should never talk to team B because of conflict of interest, then you, you can enforce that with communication compliance. And what we've announced is that we've released 25 pre-built connectors uh, that are going to help you look at different sources of collaboration and communication. Uh, that means WhatsApp, for instance, or Zoom. Uh, and I think it's, it's really good from a, a coverage perspective. Finally, uh, I wanted to talk quickly about the new compliance manager. You know, compliance is sometimes difficult. You, you have these regulations. You, you try to basically figure out how good you're doing and uh, how you can translate these complex requirements into very actionable controls. So the compliance manager is going to help you do that. And I think one of the major advancements that we've seen during Ignite is that now we are supporting more than 150 out-of-the-box assessments uh, around typical regional or international uh, regulations. And with that, you mean things like PCI DSS for credit card processors, um, say high trust for healthcare, FedRAMP for federal. Exactly. Um, okay, fantastic. And obviously there, were, there was more uh, announcements around Microsoft information protection, uh, how you manage the insider risk inside your company to avoid fraud, not coming from the external hacker, but from your own employee or contractors, uh, and also how you can do uh, advanced e-discovery uh, to find information when you have a, a legal investigation, but uh, we'll save that for another time. All right, so that's some of the compliance announcements at Ignite. So the next big topic is um, identity. Um, I imagine that Azure Active Directory played a, a massive role here. Yes, definitely. Azure Active Directory is our uh, identity platform as a service. And 
a good way to uh, construct a modern security approach is to make sure that you give a consistent experience to your users with single sign-on, but also that you are able to uh, leverage the threat intelligence about leaked credentials, anomalous behaviors, and so on. So uh, typically, you, you would uh, want, you probably want to uh, reuse Azure Active Directory for any uh, authentication and authorization for your application. Um, one of the key scenarios, uh, which is uh, very important nowadays, is the notion of working securely uh, from a remote location. And in order to do that, typically you, you, you would, in a traditional company, you would go through a VPN to reach the on-prem applications. And I, I cannot tell you how many customers I've had who had their infrastructure, uh, VPN infrastructure, really suffer from the switch to remote work. Uh, because they were not sized for that, and basically they were not also designed for uh, hosting uh, uh, these kind of workloads. And today, what we're saying is that it, it's not really relevant uh, for for a company to really enforce forced VPN, uh, virtual private network, for everything. So typically, uh, what you can do is put a box uh, on your premises called an Azure application, uh, Azure AD application proxy. And this is going to serve to publish your internal application and verify the ID of people. And that means you can do conditional access, which is this notion of uh, adapting the level of access you're going to give a user based on their machine, their location, uh, and different signals uh, about um, the, the session that, that they're trying to establish. And one um, announcement we made is that we now support uh, HTTP header-based authentication, uh, which is the most popular uh, form of authentication and was missing uh, in the past. Yeah, and if I can just step back for a moment uh, from that, because th this whole area of technology is really exciting for me because it um, it is on the path to, you know, one, improving and two, um, replacing. Um, some some technology that I'm, I'm starting to hate. <laughs> like VPN, is it's very useful in a lot of cases, but we've leaned on it a little too hard. And it's not the greatest solution for user access. And so, you know, we've got all these investments into essentially making VPN either better or replacing it. You know, with Azure AD integration with a bunch of our different partners that can, you know, use all this great zero trust validation and goodness before they give you access to the VPN, which is sort of a nice interim step with your existing equipment. But the other thing is around if we publish this stuff, and now that we have the header authentication, it covers even more scenarios. If we are able to publish these old legacy crusty on-premises apps and you get that full zero trust experience for not only the authentication authorization, making sure all that's good, you know, you're known, you're trusted, you're allowed, but then you can do session monitoring through MCAS and all that. And so it's a much better way of doing things than, hey, I'm going to VPN in with whatever authentication you can offer, you know, no MFA, you know, weak MFA, or maybe the stronger Azure AD kind of connection. But then the problem is with the VPN is it dumps you fully on the network because you know, if you're VPNing and you just have one configuration for all users, you're not going to do per user things. But when you link it to the app through the publishing through the app, Azure AD app proxy, you get this really secure experience and you only get access to one app at a time and, and session management. So it's just amazing how much better this is at kind of getting you beyond VPN. So I just wanted to kind of share that because a lot of folks kind of miss that in the, in the technical features, but I love the ability to sort of get us away from um, the pain of VPN.
What I've seen with my customers who are like more into the full VPN uh, traditional approach is that they are moving now to be a full VPN with exceptions uh, based on what, what you mentioned so that it makes them more confident that what they didn't approve is still going to go through the VPN, uh, knowing all the flows that could happen on the gateways. Uh, they've been a target for uh, lots of attacks, but somehow it, it shifts their model to a more zero trust uh, uh, enabled approach while not completely changing everything. Exactly. So it's a transition phase and the VPN is your fallback. But it, the cool thing that I picked up from our IT folks, our own internal Microsoft IT folks, is they actually use it as a discovery mechanism of what have we not published that's popular. Uh, finally, there is a topic which is very close to my heart, um, which is the, the notion of malicious apps uh, abusing user consent in order to attack companies. You know, like uh, when you have a mobile phone application, you're used that the application is going to ask you, I need uh, permission to, to access your camera, to access your files or whatever. In the cloud, you can do exactly the same. Uh, when, when an application comes, it can say, oh, by the way, I need to be able to send an email on your behalf. I need to be able to access your documents. I need to be able to log on pretending to be you. And it seems that fishers, uh, the people who are doing attacks to manipulate people, have understood that very well. So one of the way to, first of all, discover that this is a problem in your company is to use uh, Microsoft Cloud App Security, uh, which is monitoring this kind of uh, abuse of privileges and consent. Uh, but the second uh, aspect which I took from Ignite is that we are now have a comprehensive approach where you can validate the publishers of application where you, you, you will let the user decide, but at the same time say there are a number of situations where I want to have a risk-based step-up consent which means I'm going to, as a user, I'm going to ask for permission to grant consent to the application, and it's going to be uh, injected into a workflow that goes to an admin, and the admin can then give a second opinion and say, by the way, yes, I think you, you, you should, you're good to go, or no, you should not go. So there's one other announcement that kind of caught my eye, if you can just talk to it a little bit, and that is this decentralized identities using, uh, using blockchain. Can you just talk about that just real briefly? Yes, definitely. So the, the idea is that sometimes in some scenarios, you don't want anyone to be uh, any company or any organization to be in full control of all the identity aspects. And you want to be able to decentralize and, and run the system uh, distributed all over the place. So blockchain is really useful for that. And here we, we, we just announced a, a, a pilot for a US veteran. Uh, if, if you want to have some um, benefits, for instance, you need to, to prove that you are a US veteran. Uh, so rather than go after all the paperwork and it could take uh, weeks, maybe months uh, to do that. Uh, what you will do is that you will have your, um, uh, your, your details included into the blockchain and you will have a, a way to prove uh, certain assertions like uh, I'm a veteran uh, and prove that to a third party in a, in a matter of, uh, of minutes. Yeah, I think this could be really interesting. So to all the listeners out there, if you think this is of interest, uh, let us know uh, on Twitter and we can certainly talk to the, the people behind this and actually you know, ha actually have an episode on this. I think this, this might be really useful. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of things that sort of break new ground. And um, if this is uh, for something of interest, then we'll definitely cover it. Um, another topic that I want to bring up really quickly, it actually wasn't announced uh, at Ignite. It was actually done beforehand, but I think it's really important. 
So Azure Key Vault historically only had role-based access control, RBAC, um, at the Key Vault level. What I mean by that is you could put an RBAC policy on keys, you could put an RBAC policy on secrets, and you could put an RBAC policy on certificates. Well, now we have uh, the ability to set an RBAC policy at the leaf nodes, meaning you could actually put an RBAC policy on key one and key two. So they're different RBAC policies. Customers have been asking for this for a long time. I think this is fantastic to see. Uh, so I'll certainly add a link to that um, in the show notes, as well as uh, links to uh, Cyril's PowerPoint summary uh, of Ignite 2020. We'll also have other other links in the show notes as well to other uh, pertinent topics. So with that, I'd like to bring this podcast to a close. Uh, Cyril, thank you so much for joining us this week for this special edition. Uh, it's fantastic to see so many security and compliance announcements coming out of Ignite uh, to help secure our customers. Uh, hey, thank you to all of you for listening. We hope you found it useful and you learned a lot. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.